Welcome to the Flourish Heights podcast, made for women by women. I'm your host, Valerie Adjamine, women's health dietitian and the founder of Flourish Heights. To be empowered in health starts with a true connection with your body. Together, we are breaking through topics surrounding periods, women's nutrition, body awareness, self-care, and much more. Let's flourish and be the best version of ourselves. Hey girl, welcome back to another Flourish Heights episode. It's officially our 10th one, which is bizarre to me. I feel like I just started this like yesterday. If you've been loving our episodes, please celebrate with me and leave a kind review and a rating so that we can reach more women. I would really, really appreciate that. Okay, so ladies, I know you're going to love today's episode because we are talking about vaginas, orgasms, pregnancy, and even constipation and how all of these things can impact your pelvic floor. Well, and the other way around. So I had the great honor of inviting a special guest to share some gems with us. And trust me, I have learned so, so much from her during our conversation. And I'm also a really big fan of her work. So I'm just so happy that she could join us today. Today's special guest is Janelle Howell from The Vagina Rehab Doctor on Instagram. She is a doctor of physical therapy, specializing in pelvic floor muscle function, particularly women's health. She treats in Chicago and helps women recover from traumatic birthing experiences, urinary incontinence, painful sex, and constipation. All right, I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Janelle, welcome, and thanks for stopping by. Hello, hello to the Flourish Heights family. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. I've been like waiting for this. I know we've been scheduled for probably a couple months because you are busy. How are yeah, you? I'm, I'm honored. I'm good. I'm great. I've been learning a lot from you and from everything that you guys are doing at the Flourish Heights community. So I'm excited to get into the conversation today. Great. Well, we have lots to talk about. So let's just jump right in. But first, tell our listeners who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Janelle, better known as the Vagina Rehab Doctor on Instagram. I'm a pelvic, I'm a pelvic physical therapist. Some some therapists call themselves a pelvic floor physical therapist, but I try not to minimize it down to that because we treat the entire pelvis. So that includes the bony part of the pelvis. Um, and so I got my doctorate in physical therapy about three years after practicing. I started to realize that I loved women's health. And so there's actually a specialty for physical therapy that deals with vaginal muscle function, you know, control of your bowels, urination control. Um, just all the things that we don't really like talking about. And I have decided to only do that. So I am the vagina rehab doctor. I love that. And yes, yeah, super taboo topics, which is why we're here, which is why I started my podcast as well. And I mean, these are topics we cannot talk about enough. And especially when it comes to the pelvic floor. I mean, that's a topic I am just so interested in learning about, which is why I was like, we got to have you on because I think this is an area where People just don't really know much about what it is. And so um, you are the vagina rehab doctor, as we you know, mentioned. So how did that name come about? I'm just curious. I love it. So, you know, as I was going throughout residency um, at Loyola, 
I realized that a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about their vagina, mentioning it in public. I mean, it's so crazy. Even patients that are like in my office, just me and them, they don't feel comfortable saying vagina. They're like down there and, you know, they're just using all these terms. My to try and my yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, we don't really cover up any other body part. We just say what it is. And so I knew that I wanted a name that got people talking about the word vagina, that you couldn't even follow me without seeing the word vagina. Um, and also that people knew that there was rehab and that there was help for many of the problems that we assume are not, um, that are not going to be changed. And so rehab is something that people are familiar with, but don't typically think of it in terms of their vagina. And so that's how I came up with the name. You are right. I totally agree with you. People don't really associate rehab with your vagina. It's like, wait, wait, how does that correlate? Yeah. <laughs> but so that, um, what is pelvic physical therapy? Um, tell us what that is. Tell us what vagina rehab is. Is this something that you recommend for everyone? Let's get started with that. Sure. So pelvic physical therapy is a specialty under the general umbrella of physical therapy. And most of us understand if you break your ankle or sprain your ankle, if you know, if you have shoulder pain, you're going to go see a physical therapist that can help you get your function back, whether it be reaching up or right. bending or squatting. And so when it comes to the pelvis, the pelvis is responsible for more intimate functions that you don't necessarily show to the whole world. So we're talking about peeing, pooping, sex, and even, you know, movement, because the hip is also attached to the pelvis, um, it's responsible for childbirth, pregnancy. So any of those functions that tend to happen as a result of something going a little bit haywire, whether it be peeing your pants or having pain with mm. sex um, or having frequent urination, or just any of those things is usually due to something going on with the floor of the pelvis, which is a group of muscles that support all of your pelvic organs. And so if those muscles are not functioning correctly, then you can see it manifest with different signs and symptoms, like what I just mentioned, painful sex, um, pee in your pants, frequent urination, um, pain after childbirth, you know, pubic bone pain, all those different things that are affecting your pelvis can be treated usually by a pelvic physical therapist. So I have specific questions for you around like <laughs> painful sex. We got some questions about bladder leakage. So we'll get yeah. into that in just a little sure. bit. But how do you know if your vagina wants rehab? Sure. So, you know, Valerie, you talked about this with me a little while ago. I posted a reel on my Instagram page, five major ways. I mean, this is not all inclusive, but I feel like the five major ways to know is that you're peeing your pants with anything, whether it be sneezing, okay. coughing, running, jumping. If you're having unintentional um, loss of urine and you're not over the toilet, then that's a sign that your pelvic floor muscles are probably not functioning in the best way that they can. Okay. Um, yeah, another way would be frequent urination. So you're always going to the bathroom to pee. Like, And a lot of people say, oh, I have a small bladder. The reality is they haven't even seen their bladder. They don't know how big their bladder is. Usually it's, a, it's an issue with the pelvic floor and, and not the bladder. Um, 
So different things like that are urgency. Like you feel like when you have to pee, you have to like run to get there or you're not going to make it to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. That can happen after pregnancy or even any time in life. Um, Another sign would be tailbone pain. So a lot of people experience that. Painful sex or even painful tampon use. Oh, okay. That's another sign. Um, And just honestly, anyone that's delivered a baby. If you delivered a baby, (laughs) you should at least get an examination, at least an examination by a pelvic physical therapist. Right, because I heard that pelvic physical therapy is only for women after they have had children. And so it sounds like that's, it's, it's true. But then again, it's not only for women who've had children. You're also handling other issues as well. Not at all. That's, that is so far from the truth. I mean, I'm treating a 16 year old that's having leakage. Like she sneezes and she leaks or someone else who's like in their twenties, they jump or squat and they leak urine. Um, other people that haven't had a baby, but they have really painful sex. So it doesn't really have to do with just a baby. It's more about the function of the pelvic floor and the function can be altered at any stage in life. It's not just after pregnancy. Okay. So since we're on the topic of painful sex, let's just jump right into that. So if somebody's dealing with painful sex, how can you help? Like what, what are you actually doing in the treatment process and the therapy process? How does that, like, how does that go? So if someone is having um, pain with sex, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is the pelvic floor. It could be other medical problems like endometriosis or Mm -hmm. fibroids or, you know, ovarian cysts and pelvic physical therapy is not going to take those things away. So I would, I would assume, and I would hope that they've already seen a medical doctor that can help them rule those medical things out like an OBGYN, a, um, a nurse practitioner, a physician assistant. Once those things have been ruled out and, but yet they're still having unexplained pain with sex. I typically will do an exam where I'm just talking to them because I need to figure out what's actually contributing. So you can't be having pain with the initial entrance, Mm -hmm. meaning as soon as the penis is attempting to enter, that's when the person is experiencing pain. Or it can be with a more deeper penetration and it's only happening with deeper penetration. It could be the opposite where once it's all the way in, there is no pain. So I need to understand, well, where in the pelvic floor is the pain being experienced? Is it an every single time thing? Um, Does it hurt with certain positions? Just different things like that. Once we do that talk, right, that just that conversation, trying to gather information, Mm -hmm. um, then it's about actually assessing the pelvic floor manually. So if I can find a restriction in the pelvic floor, meaning the muscles are too tight, are there stiff or there's pain? Because sometimes people have tightness, but it doesn't actually hurt when you press on the muscle. Got it. If there are those changes, then they need to come to therapy to work on relaxing those muscles, getting more length in those muscles. The same way you would stretch your hamstring, mm-hmm. you would need to stretch the pelvic floor muscles. That can happen with exercises, but also with manual therapy by a physical therapist. So you would be getting a physical therapist working internally on your pelvic floor muscles. So it is um, quite intimate, but you need, you need what you need. And if you want to have pain-free sex, (laughs) then you might want to give it a a thought and give it a chance. I'm just curious, how do you break the ice (laughs) with that? Cause I mean, you're talking about internal here and we're getting intimate. So, I mean, what do you do? What are other like, 
some things that you do to kind of break the ice before you kind of handle those kind of treatments? Yeah, well, the good the good thing is that we don't go straight to the vagina. So okay. again, we're just talking for the first 25 to 30 minutes. I get an hour with every patient. So I'm already kind of breaking the ice, just talking to them. You know, how long has this been going on? You know, just different things like that. And then even when we get to the exam, I'm going to let them know that it's honestly not going to be as bad as you're expecting. There's no tools, right? I'm not putting a speculum inside of you. The speculum, (laughs) y'all. Right. The speculum. Yo, no, I'm not sticking anything up there. Right. And so most people, if you've experienced a a penis, you can, you can handle a finger, which is what physical therapists Mm -hmm. use. Just one finger with a glove and lube. And so we take our time, you know, the patient can tell us if they want us to stop. Um, and we don't do it all in one day. It's just the assessment that first day, then you can get kind of warmed up to the idea of things. And we're also incorporating other stuff too, like just different things you can change throughout your lifestyle. Do you need more stress management? Do you need to be doing some stretches, you know? So there, there are ways around it. and, And most people actually tolerate it quite well. Yeah. And it sounds like you have this holistic approach as well. I mean, you're looking at the whole health in general. And I mean, that brings up another question of just like, I mean, I think it depends on what is going on um, with the patient that you're dealing with, but are there a certain amount of sessions you would recommend or a certain, you know, time frame to kind of see changes with some of these um, conditions or issues that some patients are experiencing? Yeah, so generally speaking, according to research, the average time needed to really get a good amount of change is about 12 visits. So oh, wow. three, That's a lot three of months. Yeah, and it doesn't always take that long. Sometimes it's like five visits and I'm like, okay, you're done. Oh, okay. Other times, you know, especially a lot of people have been experiencing these issues for years and years and years. Yeah. And they're just now getting help. So it, we don't do magic, you know, we do actual therapy, which takes time. And so sometimes it can take even longer than three months, which is okay. And other times it's two months, you know, it varies, but according to research, the average length of time is about three months, which is around a, a visit per week. Um, some people do two visits a week. It, it just depends. Yeah. Change, change takes time, but it it also just depends on you and your situation and how, how well you're healing. And so I have this, um, I received a question from our community member and it reads, I often pee a little when I sneeze. You mentioned this a little bit earlier. What is the reason for this bladder leakage? Um, can, you know, vagina rehab help? So that's a really good question. Um, and I just want to say to whoever's listening that this is not something that you have to embrace. You don't have to just accept it like as your norm. If you're having it, again, it's a sign that something could be going on with your pelvic floor. So the things that could be going on is we kind of got into this earlier is tightness. Vaginal tightness, pelvic floor muscle tightness, meaning the muscle is restricted and it's, locked, it's not letting go of tension. So you've been building up this tension in your pelvic floor and it's been building and building. And even if you try to relax, like the way you try to let go when you're about to pee or you're about to poop or even to pass gas, your muscles are not very good at letting go. And so if your pelvic floor is holding tension, they're not going to work very well if they can't move and contract and release. And so that's typically, honestly, probably the biggest reason that I'm finding a lot of people assume that their pelvic floor muscles are weak 
Mm-hmm. But I find more often that they're way too tight. Okay. And so they have to come and start getting some therapy to loosen that up. Loosen it up. Okay. Loosen that up. And and really, I don't even want to use that word loosen because people are scared of a loose vagina. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> are you going to make my vagina too wide? You know? So, no, that's not the case. It's more to relax your pelvic floor muscles. You're, no muscle in your body should just be tense and tight. Right, so right. you don't want your neck to be really tight and tense. You don't want your low back to be tight and tense. It's the same way with the with the vagina. If it's all tight and tense and bound up, it can't even really support you very well. So we have to get your muscles to relax. And that's usually done with manual therapy and exercises. Okay, so we're talking about vaginal muscles. We're talking about vaginal tightness, all the things. Yeah. And so it can... Okay, so sorry sorry to, to get in this one more time. But the other thing is it can be weakness. So it can be weakness. Okay. Just because tightness is the most common thing, you can have pelvic floor muscle weakness or hip weakness too. Sometimes it's not the vaginal muscles, but it's, it's the butt that's really weak, which also provides some support for the pelvic floor. After someone has a baby, mm-hmm. those muscles are like super stretched and weakened. Okay. So a lot of times those muscles are weak and just not able to, to come to work. They're like, yo, we are tired. Oh, we they, just yeah, they they're like to work, huh? Yeah, they're like we've been through a lot, and so they need some strengthening. Other times it's um, in coordination where the muscles are strong, they're not too tight, but they're not contracting at the right time. So I'm sure you might have heard someone who like claps off beat. They're like, you know, yeah. it's like you can clap, but you're not clapping at the right time. Right. So right. if your muscles are not contracting at the right time, like maybe you sneeze and they and they contract just a little bit too slow, mm-hmm. then that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be negatively impacting you. So sometimes they actually need help with that as well, which we do in pelvic physical therapy too. Okay, let's talk about sexual satisfaction. So can the fitness or strength of your vaginal muscles improve it? For example, if someone's having difficulty with orgasms or they are experiencing weak orgasms can seeing you know someone like you help please explain to the people how this works if it's a thing yeah so the first thing to know about orgasm is that it's a contraction of your pelvic floor muscles Mm -hmm. so if let's say if your penis would happen to be inside of your vagina when you're having an orgasm then you're going to feel the muscles constrict your finger it's going to be like a rhythmic contraction so that's what's happening when we have an orgasm. Those pelvic floor muscles are contracting rhythmically and that's contributing as well to the sense of pleasure. So if those muscles are weak or if they're too tight again, cause that's going to limit their movement, then that can contribute to a weaker um, orgasm or even for some people it might contribute to lack of ability to orgasm. But I, I'd have to say that I wouldn't go to that as the first reason. There's okay. many other reasons, like maybe your partner just not doing it for you. Um, maybe you have some hormonal issues going on where the sensitivity is not there. Um, maybe you are having dryness and so it's painful. I mean, there's a lots of other reasons why someone is not going to be orgasming or having weaker orgasms. And then a big one, the probably the biggest one yeah. <laughs> is that there's lack of there's lack of foreplay. Um, There's not enough of it. And 
I think what's happening is the female born population is assuming that just because a male can get aroused very quickly that they can too. And many times, even if you're lubricated, it doesn't mean that you're lubricated optimally. And so lubrication is usually an indication that you have enough blood flow coming down there. If you don't have enough blood flow, then it's going to be harder for you to achieve that orgasm. So some studies suggest up to 45 minutes of of just foreplay. (laughs) And and that doesn't mean you have to do 45, but but it means that longer is better because uh, for a lot of people, penetration is not even the main event, meaning that's not what brings them to orgasm anyways. So it's, it's really important. But yes, the pelvic floor weakness, tightness can contribute to difficulty orgasming and um, strengthening pelvic floor muscle training can help. But I would say it's typically probably not the first reason. Okay. Okay. So basically what you're saying is don't have them going straight to the pie, basically. Exactly. Please don't. <laughs> Honestly, that, that's a health hazard. I mean, you're more than likely to be drier. You're more than likely, your cervix position is probably not going to be lifted out of the way enough. Your vagina lengthens as you get aroused. So you're more likely to be hitting the cervix if you're not well. I mean, there's just so many reasons why you would want to have more foreplay. And you're more than likely to have a stronger orgasm the longer you have foreplay as well. So I encourage it. Please don't skip over it. <laughs> Take your time. Patience <laughs> is the key, y'all. Patience yeah. is the key. Okay, so I've yes. heard a lot about Kegels. I'm sure mm-hmm. our listeners have heard about that too. Um, now, what is it? Should we be doing that? How often if it's a yes? Um, so yeah, let us know what's what's up with the Kegels. What's up with Sure, sure. Uh, a Kegel is just a contraction and a release of your pelvic floor. Your pelvic floor, meaning the muscles that surround your vagina, your your anus, and where you pee out of. So if you were to squeeze your anus like you didn't want to pass gas and then let it go, that's a Kegel. Or some, some therapists will, will cue someone to, to squeeze their vagina. I personally tell people to squeeze their anus because I typically will see a stronger contraction. And so you can squeeze it like you're trying to lift the marble through the anus okay. and then let it go. That's a contraction. That is a Kegel. That's just named after a white man that discovered. Lord. Yeah. So it's a pelvic floor muscle contraction. And no, I don't encourage everyone to do it. Okay. Because like we talked about earlier, if you have tightness, which is very common, con- continually contracting is just going to make it tighter. Make it tighter. Okay. Yeah. Tight. So then, yeah. So then you would be gaining more dysfunction if you just start Kegeling all the time. And so I personally recommend seeing a professional, maybe your OBGYN, maybe a public physical therapist, someone that can help you discover what is going on with those muscles before you just start squeezing. That's crazy because a lot of women are doing that just because it's like, oh, we should be doing Kegels every day. Wow. Yeah. And that's, and that's false. Yeah. You should not. Even for the people that should be doing them, there's a limited amount. I don't say do 300 when you get home. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a prescribed thing. The same when you get a prescription for a medicine. You don't just right. get the whole pharmacy and take all the drugs in one day. Um, so it's the same thing for Kegels. Uh, many times it's like 30. Three sets of 10, maybe do it twice a day, and that's it. For, and that's for people who need them. So can you imagine the people that don't need to be doing them? They shouldn't be doing them at all. Right. And so I'm, I'm sure it goes 
you know, um, same thing for pregnant women. And so, you know, should women Kegel in preparation for childbirth? I, I, is that a yes? No, it just depends. Um, so it's, it's always going to depend, but I would say it's, it's more than likely to be more helpful if you're pregnant up until, because those muscles are getting stretched and strained quite a bit because now there's the big weight of the baby pressing down on those muscles. So they're weakening just with pregnancy, even before you give birth. Mm -hmm. So that would be a time where I would say it's now more appropriate. It's always helpful to go see a public physical therapist just to be sure. Because even when you're pregnant, you can have tightness or, you know, just overall increased tone in those muscles. But as a general rule, as long as you've seen a, a, an OBGYN or someone that has assessed those muscles, like a pelvic physical therapist, then I would say that's more of an appropriate time and definitely after delivery mm-hmm. would be an appropriate time. Um, okay. About at 35 weeks, though, people, we usually say stop keegling because you're, you're about to give birth. You need your muscles to open up and relax. To up a bit. Yeah, you okay. want them to completely get out of the way. Your pelvic floor muscles are not going to push the baby out. It's your uterus. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to be tightening all the way up until the day before um, delivery. At 35 weeks, you want to start actually doing some massage like around the vaginal opening and trying to stretch that, that area out so that you can get the baby out and you're less likely to tear if those muscles are flexible. Great tips, Janelle. I love all of that. Now I have a couple girlfriends who are dealing with something called diastasis recti. I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that. Um, you know, what is it, how does it happen? And you know, what is the next step to resolving it? Um, once you have it, can it ever go away? Tell us a little bit about that. Cause it's pretty common in, you know, women who've given birth yeah, it's very common. The first thing to know is that once you've had a baby, you've delivered a diastasis recta is like proof that you had your baby. You're like, yo, this is the sign. I gave birth. I am a mother and this is proof. So what happens is, is as the baby is growing inside of your abdomen, the muscles have to lengthen and kind of allow that enlargement to happen. So now the um, abdominal muscles are a little bit more separated. And so there can be a gap going down the middle of the abdomen where you kind of feel a little bit of a separation okay? because the muscles separated in order to allow your baby to grow. So that's actually common. I mean, it's not really a big issue. Even if you have a little bit of a separation, most people will have at least one finger width of separation in the middle down in the middle, going down from like where the sternum is down to the pubic bone or kind of down into where the belly button is. So that's not really an issue. When it's larger than about two finger widths, then that's when we consider doing exercises to target that. Going to see a pelvic physical therapist and likely a trainer if you can afford it, like a personal trainer to help you because a, a, a physical therapist will help you a lot with the therapeutic stuff, but we're not there to like get you to like your your fittest state. Like that's not really our job. We're more about function. Are you able to lift, squat, bend, walk, run? Beyond that, we don't really care if you have a six pack or not. (laughs) Um, So, you know, definitely considering that it's normal. It's a common thing that happens. And even people that have a little bit of a separation, that's not even considered an issue. It's only when it's larger and you're not able to produce enough force across the abdomen. 
So it's more about function than how far uh, that width is, that separation is in your abdominal wall. Great. Awesome. You know, a lot of, um, you know, people experience period cramps for a number of reasons. And so are there exercises that can actually help relieve the cramping? This is a hot topic from the people. Sure. Or question. Um, I'm probably going to answer in a way that maybe might not be common for a public physical therapist. If someone's having really painful periods, (laughs) I'm going to look at other reasons before I look at the pelvic floor. I'm going to look at what's their diet like, you know, are they like for you, you know, you're a registered dietitian. Are they lacking some nutrients? You know, are they getting enough of those omega threes? What's their stress levels like? Do they have endometriosis? Is that being managed? Exercises can help to relax more so the pelvic floor but not necessarily the uterus. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can do things like child's pose, happy baby, butterfly, anything that's going to stretch your, your butt muscles, your pelvic floor, your your abdominals can help relieve tension in the pelvic floor. But many times people who are having pain with their periods, it's their actual uterus (laughs) that's contributing to the pain. And so I would say, you would want to see some other people, not just a pelvic physical therapist, a dietitian, an OBGYN, someone to get to the to the root cause of what's actually contributing to that. So, so true. I love that. Um, yeah. And so lastly, I think I want to know, you know, what are some hot, you know, top uh, misconceptions about pelvic physical therapy. I'm sure there's so many. And so give us, you know, about three or so, um, for us to kind of just know, and for you to just break it down. Yeah. We kind of got into this already. Cause you've been asking some amazing <laughs> questions, but I would say for sure the, one of the biggest misconceptions is that all we do is Kegel with our patients that you're going to come in there and we're going to like, all right, squeeze and like squeeze 100 (laughs) times. All right, go home and do 500 Kegels and that's it. And, you know, unfortunately that's just a, a revelation of just the lack of education. Oh yeah. um, Surrounding pelvic floor muscle function and our career as pelvic physical therapists. Um, No, uh, for a lot of people, we don't we tell them don't Kegel, like don't do them ever. Like, stop it now. Mm-hmm. So that's that's wrong. We're, we're working on your posture. We're working on your body mechanics when you lift, when you move. We're working on your abdominal strength. Uh, we're working on your um, mechanics when you're sitting at the desk, when you're working. Mm-hmm. We're working on relaxation. We're even working on your mindset when it comes to sex. And, man, it's just so much to, to look at and to look into um, that it's just, you're not seeing enough of how someone can help you if you're assuming that all they do is tell you to do Kegels. So that's one of the major misconceptions. Um, another misconception I would say is that pelvic floor physical therapy is only necessary when you're having drastic issues. Like you don't have to wait until you're wearing diapers or wearing pads you can go when you're just having a little bit of leakage when you when you sneeze. Okay. You can go when you're having a you know a little bit of pain when you have sex, but you can't figure out why, and you don't have fibroids, you don't have endo. There's no other cause. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a life shattering situation for you to go see a pelvic physical therapist. And so I would say that's the 
that's another um, gem that I feel like a lot of people need to accept and embrace. Those are definitely some good ones for sure, y'all. You don't have to kegel, 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 okay? <laughs> I love that one. That one's exactly. my favorite. Like I said, it's everywhere. I mean, I see it everywhere. So I'm yeah. so glad you broke it down for us. Do you have any last words for the Flourish Heights community? Not really. Just know that your vagina is worth it. You know, whether it's you need some um, help with your with your nutrition, you know, reach out to Flourish Heights. Whether you need a physical therapist, you know, make those moves. Your vagina is not going to call the doctor for you. You have to stand up for your vagina and your vagina if it's not happy, it's not going to support you for 80 years. So you have to invest in it. And so I'm hoping that everyone listening will be encouraged to prioritize their vaginal health. And I love this saying, you are the CEO of your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Owners, founders. Yeah, you make the moves. You make the big decisions because it belongs to you. So good. So good, Janelle. And so this is one question we like to ask all of our guests and it is, how do you flourish? How do I flourish? Um, I say I flourish by getting watered. You know, you, a plant can't flourish without the water. For me, I'm definitely a woman of faith and I'm a preacher as well. So I like to get in that um, spiritual motivation from the word of God and share it with other people, whether it be young adults or at churches um, and I love just learning new things. I'm all about knowledge. I feel like no yeah. one can really optimize their vaginal health unless they understand how it works. So we're out here trying to buy all these soaps and this panty and this uh, suppository, which if you don't know the, how the vagina works and how it functions, then you're wasting your money. And so education is something that really just fuels me. And I'm hoping that just for what I do also provides that level of education for those out there as well. You are doing amazing work. We love it. I love it. It's so needed. You guys need to definitely follow the Vagina Rehab Doctor online. And I will definitely link all of her information in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, Does Your Vagina Need Rehab? Please leave a review. That's a great way you could support our work. Again, we're celebrating our 10th episode and this is exciting stuff. Share today's episode with someone who needs to hear these amazing gems. Thank you once again for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. And until next time, keep flourishing. Mm-hmm.